0: Good morning, morning. and peace be with you. We have uh, changed things up a little bit, and uh, council members are taking turns to do the announcements. And so this morning we have another person from council doing announcements. It's Susan. So thank you, Susan. Take it away.
1: Well, good morning, everybody. Um, Today, uh, I want to talk about uh, our missions uh, donation for this month is going to go to the Samaritan's Purse for the Operation Christmas Child shoeboxes. The reason we're doing it so early, I I feel a little bit like I work for Costco uh, to talk about Christmas in September. But um, this will give us time to get money to them and time to use it for the actual project. So so through the end of September, uh, I guess that's today, really, um, will be all of our donations for missions will be going to them. Um, Sit and Be Fit continues on uh, Tuesday mornings at 10 o'clock. Bible studies continue. We have uh, the Tuesday uh, morning Bible study at noon. Um, uh, We're going through the books of Ruth and Esther. And then Pastor Ken leads a Zoom Bible study on Tuesday evenings. And then the men's Bible study is on Saturday morning. Um, And as always, every church could probably be making the same announcement, is that um, worship assistants are always needed. And if you feel moved to help in some way, um, let Ashley know, and she'll find a spot for you to fill in, okay? Um, Also, uh, back to Christmas in September... Um, look forward to more announcements. We're in the process of planning um, kind of a Christmas concert um, in mid-December, so um, look forward to more announcements for that, okay? All right, I think that's it, unless anybody's got questions. Okay, thank you.
0: Thank you, Susan. And also, um, we have a uh, guest today. Nick is playing for us, and so thank you very much, Nick. You can see on our, yeah, on our, uh, in our bulletin that uh, we will actually be singing from the green Lutheran Book of Worship, and our first uh, hymn, opening hymn, is Praise to the Lord, found on page 543. So it's been a long time since we had to dust those babies off, but let's sing as unto the Lord. Thank you. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all.
2: In peace, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace i above, and for our salvation, let us pray to the Lord. Help, save, comfort, and defend us, gracious Lord. Amen. This is the feast of victory for our God. Hallelujah. Worthy is. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. O
0: God, you are the strength of all who trust in you, and without your aid we can do no good thing. Grant us the help of your grace that we may please you in both will and deed. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. You may be seated.
3: Good morning first reading this morning is taken from the book of Amos, chapter 6, verses 1 through 7. This can be found on page 1427 in the Pew Bible. In this reading, Amos prophesied at the same time as Isaiah. He warned that the people's arrogance and dismissal of God's law would result in God's discipline. Amos, chapter 6, beginning with the first verse. Woe to you who are complacent in Zion, and to you who feel secure on Mount Mount Samaria, you notable men of the foremost nation to whom the people of Israel come. Go to Kalanah and look at it. Go from there to Great Hamath, and then go down to Gath and Philistia. Are they better off than your two kingdoms? Is their land larger than yours? You put off the day of disaster and bring near a reign of terror. You lie on beds adorned with ivory and lounge on your couches. You dine on choice lambs and fatted calves. You strum away on your harps like David and improvise on musical instruments. You drink wine by the bowl full and use the finest lotions. But you do not grieve over the ruin of Joseph. Therefore, you will be among the first to go into exile. Your feasting and lounging will end. The second reading is Psalm 146. We will read that responsively, and it's printed on page six in your bulletin. This is a Psalm of praise to God. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord my soul. I will praise the Lord all my life. I will sing praise to my God as long as I live. Do not put your trust in princes, in human beings who cannot save. When their spirit departs, they return to the ground. On that very day, their plans come to nothing. Blessed are those whose help is in the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord, their God. He is the maker of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them. He remains faithful forever. He upholds the cause of the oppressed and gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets prisoners free. The Lord gives sight to the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the foreigner and sustains the fatherless and the widow, but he frustrates the ways of the wicked the Lord reigns forever. Your God, O Zion, for all generations. Praise the Lord. The epistle this morning is taken from St. Paul's first letter to Timothy, chapter 6, verses 6 through 19, and this can be found in the Pew Bible on page 1850. In this letter, Paul instructs Timothy, his companion and understudy, how to instruct the early church leaders and how they are to rule Christendom. 1 Timothy chapter 6, beginning with the 6th verse. But godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people, eager for money, have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. But you, man of God, flee from all of this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. From the sight of God, who gives life to everything, and of Jesus Christ, who, while testifying before Pontius Pilate, made the good confession, I charge you to keep this command without spot or blame until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ which God will bring about in his own time. God, the blessed and only ruler, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone is immortal and who lives in unapproachable light, whom no one has seen or can see. To him be honor and might forever, amen. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth, This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
2: (laughs) Hallelujah, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, Hallelujah.
0: The Holy Gospel according to Saint Luke from the 16th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Our gospel this morning is indeed from Saint Luke. It is chapter 16, verses 19 through 31, and found in your Pew Bible on 1626. Luke records, there was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. And at his gate there laid a beggar named Lazarus. He was covered with sores and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked those sores. Now the time came when the beggar died and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. And the rich man also died and was buried. In Hades, where he was in torment, he looked up and he saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. So he called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in the water and cool my tongue, because I am in agony in this fire. But Abraham replied, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things, while Lazarus received bad things. But now he is comforted here, And you are in agony. And besides all this, between us and you, a great chasm has been set in place so that those who want to go from here to you cannot, nor can anyone cross over from there to us. He answered, Then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus, to my family, for I have five brothers. Let him warn them so that they will not also come to this place of torment. And Abraham replied, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he said, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. And he said to him, If they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced, even if someone rises from the dead. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our Redeemer. Amen. In the name of Jesus, if if we were to ask people to name uh, the top ten parables that Jesus told, it's likely that many of them would recall the parable that we heard today, the parable of the rich man and poor Lazarus. And like many of the parables, well, people often misinterpret it. For example, and this is important, just because Jesus described Lazarus as poor and a suffering man who died and went to heaven, that does not mean that all poor and all suffering people go to heaven. Conversely, just because the healthy, wealthy man went to hell, that does not mean that all wealthy, healthy people go to hell. Okay? But the culture at the time, and you've heard me say this a lot lately, in order for it to have meaning to us today, we need to know what it meant to the Israelite back then. Well, I'm going to tell you, the, the, the culture back then, they believed that God blessed righteous people by making them well off. And they also believed that God condemned the unrighteous by causing them to suffer, to be sick, and or to be poor. And they expected people of honest wealth to go to heaven. And they expected the poor and the sickly to go to hell. And therefore, Jesus often taught, often taught, that it is possible for the wealthy To go to hell and the poor and suffering to enter heaven. And Jesus wants us to understand that the prosperity and the troubles that we encounter in this life have no bearing whatsoever on our eternal destination. We also need to understand that sooner or later that every parable, every story, illustration, must break down. And that is because there is no earthly experience that exactly corresponds to every detail of eternal truth. And so that means that even when Jesus is telling the story, we need to focus on his main points, and not get bogged down in the minute details of the parable. For example, so while the general portrayal of heaven and hell in this parable is consistent with the teachings of Jesus elsewhere, we should not get bogged down in the detailed descriptions of heaven and hell in this parable. Jesus did not tell this parable in order to teach about the details of eternity in heaven or hell, nor did he tell it in order to teach about the details of the process of death. So, the angels carry Lazarus from a life of torment to an eternity of comfort. And the rich man, on the other hand, he descends from a life of comfort to an eternity of torment. And it is with this background that Jesus teaches the main point of the parable in a conversation that the rich man had with Father Abraham. Initially, the rich man is still arrogant and self-centered. He called out, this is in Luke 16, 24, he called out, the rich man, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus to dip the end of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am in anguish in this flame. The rich man, he still thought of Lazarus as as some sort of servant or slave that Abraham could just order around. He didn't understand that his current state and suffering was permanent and that there was no relief for him. And Jesus then had Abraham inform the man of his hopelessness. We read in verse 25 through 26, Abraham said, Child, remember that you in your lifetime received good things and Lazarus in like manner bad things. But now he is comforted here and you are in anguish. And besides all of this, between us and you, a great chasm has been fixed. In order that those who would pass from here to there to you may not be able and none may cross from there to us. You see, there is no relief, none for those who have died and gone to hell. There is only eternal suffering. And finally, After all hope is gone, the rich man thinks of someone else for once. And he said, then I beg you, Father, to send him to my father's house. For I have five brothers, so that they may warn them, lest they also come into this place of torment. The rich man believes that the miraculous appearance of someone coming back from the dead will shock his brothers into belief. And it is now, at this point, that Jesus began to develop the main point of the parable as Abraham replied. And listen to this. This is the main point being developed. They have Moses and the prophets Let them hear them. Within the context of the story, Jesus was teaching that it is the word of God that proclaims salvation from eternal torture. Jesus calls all who hear this parable to listen to the proclamation of God's word. He calls all men to listen as he interprets God's promises and he fulfills them in his own life and in his own death on the cross. And it is at this point in the parable that the rich man expresses a false understanding that still plagues us today. The rich man thought that God's word was not enough. He thought that the miracles of the resurrection from the dead would be more powerful than the word of God. And we know this because he said, No, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. And the truth be told, many Christians will agree with the rich man at this point. We still, we have many in the church on earth here who do not believe that God's word is enough. While none of them would come right out and say that God's word is not enough, their opinions and practices show that they see God's word as simple information and nothing more When a person states that preaching Christ and him crucified isn't working, they are really saying that God's word is not enough. When they say that reading the word of God is boring, they are really saying that God's word is not enough. And when they say that we need to reach out to people's felt needs instead of their real needs of forgiveness that is found in Christ Jesus that the Bible proclaims, they are really saying that God's word is not enough. And Father Abraham disagreed, for he said, If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. Did you hear what Jesus said through the mouth of Abraham in the parable? He said that the sign of a person coming back from the dead is not as powerful as the simple proclamation of the word of God. And if a resurrection from the dead is not as powerful as the word of God, then no marketing plan, no innovation, no gimmick of any kind is as powerful as the simple proclamation of the word of God. And here is the main point of the parable. When it comes to salvation... There is nothing lacking from God's Word. The Holy Spirit spoke through the Apostle Paul when he said, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. And the Apostle Paul also said this, that faith, faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ Romans 10:17 and the holy spirit also spoke through the prophet isaiah and he said for as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there but water the earth making it bring forth and sprout giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. Isaiah 55, 10 through 11. As far as our salvation is concerned, we need nothing more than the Word of God. We don't need emotional manipulation. We don't need advertising gimmicks or any other ideas of our own. The Word of God is enough. And not long after Jesus told this parable, not long after, There was a real-world example of the exact point that Jesus was making. What a coincidence. Jesus had a real-world friend whose name was Lazarus. And Lazarus died and was in the grave for four days. And Jesus called him forth and raised him from the dead. What was the response? Well, in John 12:9 through 11, John records when the large crowd of Jews learned that Jesus was there, they came not only on account of him, but also to see Lazarus, who had raised from the dead. So the chief priests made plans to put Lazarus to death as well, because on account of him many Jews were going away and believing in Jesus. Jesus was not engaging in one bit of overstatement when he spoke through Abraham in the parable and he said, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. So how is it that the word of God is more powerful than the sign of resurrection? Well, Jesus said, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life, and it is they that bear witness about me. And with these words, Jesus taught that while the word of God is important because it is only through the word of God, it is only through the word of God that we can know who Jesus is and what Jesus did to save us. It is the teaching of the Holy Scriptures that tell us that Jesus is both God and man. And God's Word teaches us that Jesus, the Son of God, reigns over all things in equality with God the Father and God the Holy Spirit. And in this equality, there are not three gods, but one God in three persons, God's Word teaches us that Jesus took on our flesh in order to take our place under the law. God's Word teaches us that Jesus took our sin and its consequences into himself. And God's Word teaches us that Jesus suffered and died on a cross and that this sacrifice redeemed all of creation from the ravages of sin. God's word teaches us that because Jesus did all this, we do not have to be like the rich man and spend eternity in torment. Instead, Jesus earned a place for us like the place of Lazarus at Abraham's side in paradise. God's Word teaches us that Jesus rose from the dead so that we can have confidence in all of these things, in all of these promises. God's Word not only teaches us about these things, but the Holy Spirit has promised to use God's Word to deliver these things to us. It is through the Word of God that the Holy Spirit creates faith that receives the benefits of Christ's work. And it is by the Holy Spirit working through the word of God that we will take our place of comfort at Abraham's side. Jesus made several points with his story about Lazarus and the rich man. The first point is that there are only two possible destinations for us when we leave this world. One is a place of eternal comfort and the other is a place of eternal torment. And the second point Jesus made is that there is no way to leave your eternal destination once you have arrived. And the third and main point that Jesus made is that the Word of God proclaims and delivers the very grace of God that carries us to that place of eternal comfort. And those who reject God's Word will be like the rich man who ended up in the place of eternal torment And those who have the Holy Spirit's gift of faith will live forever in the comfort of paradise. They have God's word that they will live with him forever. And what promises does God keep? Every one of them. In the name of Jesus, amen. please stand if you're able let us now confess our faith together to the words of the Apostles Creed found on page 3 of your bulletin I believe in God the Father Almighty creator of heaven and earth I believe in Jesus Christ his only Son our Lord the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Let us pray for the whole church of God in Christ Jesus and for all people according to their needs. God of mercy, you provide us with your holy word that, you, that we might know and believe in Christ. Make us diligent to study your word and dwell in your promises that we are content with your provision in this life and joyfully look forward to the life to come. Lord, in your mercy. Holy God, remember the men to whom you have given the noble task of pastor, Strengthen them that they might be above reproach as they care for their own households as well as your church. Preserve them from every snare of the devil and give them a great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. Lord, in your mercy. Father in heaven, preserve our homes from idols and sins of idleness. Bless fathers and mothers as they catechize their children that generations to come might faithfully guard their hearts and rejoice in your gifts. Lord, in your mercy, King of kings and Lord of lords, watch over the authorities of this and every nation. Deliver them from the idols of wealth and power and grant that they would use their offices in service to you and those you have entrusted to their care. Lord, in your mercy, Almighty God, you afflict in faithfulness and comfort in your steadfast love. Your mercy come to all in need of help that they might find their consolation in your promises until you deliver them from their trouble. Lord, in your mercy. And gracious Lord, you have rescued us from our sin, and now you feed us sumptuously with your Son's body and blood. Grant that all who receive this holy supper today would be preserved from the hard-heartedness clothed in Christ's righteousness and comforted by your gifts of life and salvation. Lord, in your mercy. Heavenly Father, you deliver your people from the sufferings of this world and comfort them with eternal rest. Receive our thanks for your kindness to the saints who have gone before us and preserve us in repentance until we are carried by angels to Abraham's side. Lord, in your mercy, answer all doubt and fear, O Lord, with confidence in your word and sacraments, that by these means of grace that we may be kept in holiness and guarded from temptation and despair, until the day when you bring all things to their perfect fulfillment and we are delivered to everlasting life. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. May the peace of the Lord be with you always. Let us share the peace. Who on this day overcame death and the grave, and by his glorious resurrection opened to us the way of everlasting life. And so, with the church on earth and the hosts of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy. shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. For we know that as often as we eat of this bread and drink of this cup, that we proclaim Christ's death, his resurrection, and his glorious coming aback. Let's now together pray the perfect prayer that Jesus gave to us. Amen. You may be seated. This week um, in our men's study, uh, and it was in the Portals of Prayer, there was a recount of um, Jesus teaching, and people it was a, they people said, "Oh, this is a hard teaching," and they they left, and uh, that's where we get. Uh, at the beginning, before the gospel, where um, Jesus asks his disciples, "Do you want to go too?" and Peter says, um, "Lord, where shall we go?" You have the words of eternal life, right? And so, one of the in the commentary on this was that his teaching was a hard teaching, but what it meant in Greek is it wasn't hard to understand; it was hard to accept. It was hard to receive. It's not hard, the, the faith walk. You've heard me say this. I'm a man of simple faith. Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible and my mom told me so. And how much more do I need to know? That is a breakdown of the gospel. That's a breakdown of Christ and him crucified. There is power in the gospel. And God's word delivers us. It delivers that faith through the Holy Spirit as we hear it. And it delivers us into eternity with him at Abraham's side. This is a deposit on that promise that he made. A taste of the feast to come his body, his blood, a means of grace for all who believe you're in, you're going to be by Abraham's side. Regardless of what the world throws at you right now, regardless of the challenges right now, regardless of all the blessings right now, you are a child of God. You were marked by the cross. You were sealed by the Holy Spirit in your baptism. You can count on that. Why? Because God's word says so. And what promises does God keep? All of them. So come. The table is prepared. The ushers will bring you forward.
2: We okay? We okay? Good.
0: It's good news today. It is very good news. Jesus loves you, this I know, for the Bible and your pastor told you so. And that's all you need to know. And now the benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord look upon you with his favor and grant you his perfect peace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.